You're listening to Two Therapists in Therapy, a podcast about self-acceptance, self-love, self-growth, and connection. I'm your host, Sarah Brill, a licensed clinical social worker, licensed marriage and family therapist, and EMDR trauma therapist, and an Enneagram 4. And I'm your other host, Becca Moravec, licensed professional counselor, licensed marriage and family therapist, and certified intuitive eating counselor, and an Enneagram 2. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Becca. I'm excited to be here with you today. I am too. I am feeling um, just the joy that comes with being with people that you love in person. I feel like I haven't felt this kind of excitement since um, before COVID, I'm realizing. It just kind of feels like things are a little bit back to normal today, which feels so cool. Yeah. And we are in person, not just with each other, but today we're also with Jess Jones. Um, hi, Jess. Hi. Jess is a Black spiritual guide, a Reiki expert, an energy worker, a breathwork facilitator, and career guide. And we are just so blessed to have you in our presence today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We are so excited to have you. So before we dive into your incredible story that we're going to be talking about today, um, let's check in and see how we're all feeling. Do you want to start, Becca? Sure. I guess. I mean, do I want to start? I probably never want to start. How am I feeling? Um, I mean, I want to echo what you said, Sarah. I'm feeling happy to be with people that I haven't seen in a long time. Just I haven't seen since 2019, so that just feels feel special to be with you today. Um, and I am feeling probably a little bit anxious. Um, I have some things in life that I'm waiting on, and waiting is hard. So there's some anxious energy within myself, but as I remind myself to be present with the day, so with like, here we are. It's a Saturday. Um, happy Monday to you listeners, but it's a Saturday for us. And um, just being present in this room, in this space with two humans who have so much to share with me. And so that's what I'm trying to focus on. How are you feeling, Sarah? Well, that's beautiful. And thank you for sharing that. And I love the idea of being present with the day, um, which connects to something you said just before we started recording about kind of um, and this is connected to the, to the topic we're going to talk about today, which is um, finding self-acceptance and just finding herself through experiencing death and loss from loved ones. And something you had mentioned earlier, and I, I'm hoping we'll get into it more later, is um, kind of going through a process of death and rebirth every day and that kind of allowing you to be more present in life. And so... I just love that you said that, Becca, just trying to be present today. I think that kind of can bring us into a totally different realm of joy and appreciation. So I'm I'm also feeling present. It just feels so good to be in each other's company. And um, we haven't seen each other in so long and been able to kind of just be carefree. Um, and so 
I'm just noticing how great that feels, especially because lately I've been having some um, resistance come up towards like things going back to the way they were. But when, when getting together with loved ones, it kind of is such a great reminder of how important community is. So yeah. How are you feeling, Jess? Mm, I feel so grateful to be here. I missed you both so much. And I just appreciate you having me on this podcast because I have listened to y'all for a minute and I always wanted to be on here and to tell my story. So thank you for having me here. And you're right. It feels more natural that we're able to do this in person instead of virtually. I myself am a little over the Zoom and doing things via Zoom. So I'm really excited to be here. We are so excited to have you and and thank you so much for joining us. Um, so as we as we mentioned, we're going to be talking about kind of your experiences with death and and what that's brought to your life, both in the present moment and also spiritually speaking. Um, and before we kind of dive into that or as a dovetail to diving into that, what would you say your working definition of self-acceptance is? Mm. My definition of self-acceptance is when I can accept myself and all parts of myself, no matter what. So integrating my light and my darkness throughout my day and realizing that I have my own story and I am worthy to do whatever I want to do in this world because I do accept everything that has happened to me. Beautiful. And where would you say your self-acceptance journey really began? I think it began when I was younger because I always knew that I was different. I felt like I had something different and I wanted to create something different than I saw everyone else create. So starting off as a child, that's where it really happened. And then recently was when I really started to accept that and walk into who I really am. Beautiful. So it kind of started when you were a kid and then, um, but hasn't really manifested until later on in life. Right. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that difference when you say you knew you were different? How did you know? How did you come into that awareness? Yeah. So when I was little, I could see spirits and really had an interaction with them. But I came from a childhood where my grandparents were very religious. So I felt like I couldn't express myself in the way that I wanted to. And also growing up black, I have always been in situations where I'm one of the only women of color. So throughout school and throughout my childhood, I have had to look at myself and be like, wait a minute, I look a little bit different. I act different than my kid, like the kids around me. So I think that's where it started. And and so before that acceptance, you know, started to come, right? Like that, that part of acceptance, how did that, what did that look like when you didn't accept that? When I didn't accept it, it looked like running from my truth, using different vices to hide myself. So 
I never really felt comfortable in my own skin and in the things that I liked and the things that I enjoyed. And so coming full circle now, I'm starting to realize that I can accept all parts of myself. That's beautiful. So I'm thinking about this idea of you being able to see spirits when you were um, a child. And I'm curious about just if you can tell us a little bit more about what that was like. And I'm also thinking about um, how hard that must have been to feel like you didn't have um, an outlet for that or adults that kind of nurtured that or understood that. Yeah. So it was a little difficult, especially because as a child, you're a little scared of the noises and the things that you see. And I remember when my grandfather died, I would talk to him in the basement and I would have dreams and he would come to me in my dreams. How old were you? I honestly can't remember. Like around what age? Maybe six or seven. Wow. Yeah. And I could see spirits in my grandmother's house. I could see spirits in the house that I also lived in. But at the time, I didn't know that it was actually spirits. I only came to that conclusion recently. But yeah, at the time, I was just always scared. And I didn't know what they wanted or if they were good or how I could really interact with them. And then when I would bring that to my grandparents, you know, it was like, okay, now we have to go to church or now I'm going to take away something of hers so that she can be normal or whatever they thought that was. That's such an intense message. Mm -hmm. What's that like to reflect on just right now? It's interesting because I never really thought about it until talking about it right now, but it feels like something has lifted off of me because for so long I thought that something was wrong with me. And it's so interesting that you had that gift because you experienced death at a very young age with somebody really important to you. So death, like being introduced to the world of death was absolutely a part of your path that happened really quickly. Yeah, definitely. So when I was 17, I ended up finding my mom passed away at my house and That was really hard, especially as a 17-year-old about to graduate high school. And you just don't know what to do with that information when it actually happens to you because you think that the whole world is supposed to stop and it doesn't. And so in that moment, it was very devastating to me when I found her and my grandma was also there, but it was a very big eye-opening experience to life and how short our physical body life is. Did you feel at all, so what a profound loss to go through at such a young age. And was there any connection for you in the, um, in the experience of that or afterwards that at all felt connected to what you had experienced spiritually as a child? Not at the moment, So I couldn't make those connections at the moment, but when she died, there were certain things that also would happen in that house. And the night before she died, it was like I had this feeling that something was wrong 
And I remember coming home that night and I walked in and she was sitting in the dark and she was kind of swaying back and forth. And my mom had an addiction to pain medicine. So immediately I thought that she was back on pain medicine and I got mad at her and I ran into my grandma's room and the last thing that she said to me was, Jessica, I love you. And I didn't say it back, but it was like this deep feeling of knowing something was wrong that next day of getting up and being like, okay, let me go check on her. And, you know, that's when it happened. So I'm just thinking about little Jess and I'm just thinking about all of the messages of like difference and, and whether that was like your, uh, proximity to spirituality and seeing spirits or, um, um, being black in an all white school or, um, having a mom who struggled with addiction, right. There's like, that's just so much for, for little Jess, right. To hold. And, um, you shared a little bit that what that, did before you kind of have integrated all because I'm sitting across from a Jess who is like such a clearly integrated person and who does all of these amazing, this amazing healing work for yourself and for others now. Um, yeah. And I, I'm just wondering as you reflect back on experiencing, you know, your mother's death at 17 and you've already spoken of your grandfather's death. How old were you when he died? So my grandfather, that was probably the first death. That was, I, I don't remember that death. Okay. I was younger, probably between like five and seven when okay. he passed away. But there have been other deaths since my mother's death as well. Wow. So yeah, and I know you shared that you were seeing him in your dreams and talking to him at that young age. Um, yeah, I think that my... I don't know that I have a question. I'm just reflecting. Yeah. And so I'm thinking about, thank you so much for that reflection, Becca. And I'm thinking about just knowing your story, like you just said, that was, that was the second death of, I don't know if I, I don't know if many is the right word, but that was the second loss of quite a few to come for you in your life. So is that right? Yeah. So after my mom passed away, then there was a few other deaths. So I was blessed to have three sets of grandparents. So with that comes a lot of love and um, with that comes a lot of love and a lot of heartache because they, they're all passed away now. So after my mom passed away, we had, you know, another death in the family. One of my friends took his own life. And then a few years later, my grandfather that I lived with passed away. And that was a really defining moment because I also found my grandfather in the same house that I found my mom in. And so when I found my grandfather, it was like this moment of how is this happening twice? And I remember standing in his room and looking around and it was this moment of, wow, you know, his soul isn't in his body anymore. And looking around at all of the things that he 
had cherished and realizing, wow, like he couldn't take any of these with him. And it was at that moment that I took all of the deaths that I had experienced and then turned it into integration of what lessons am I learning? How can I take this and go out into the world? How can I help other people who have also gone through death? And so his death was very, very big for me. And another death that was also big for me was my grandmother because that was my best friend. And so she passed away from cancer. And so watching her pass away slowly is a completely different death than the sudden death. And so there was a lot of integration that had to go into that as well. So, and I, and I know we want to go forward at, you know, in this interview and talk about what it looked like for you once you had integrated death. And I also think just for anyone who has experienced loss, it's such a, it's such a confronting thing. It's such a all consuming thing. It's so brings you to your knees. And so I'm just wondering if you can talk a little bit about um, how you were processing all of these losses when they happened and how you were making sense of them and how they were impacting your life to kind of have these primary caregivers sort of leave your life one after the other. That, that's a lot. That's a lot for any person to go through. It is. And at the moment, it's very hard to actually go through it. And say more about that, what you mean by that. Yeah. So when it happens, it's like I said, you want the world to stop and then it doesn't. And then you explain that even more. It's just like slow motion. You think, okay, I'm going to get time to be able to integrate this death, but then you don't. And with my mom, it was a few days off and then I had to go back to school. And then with every other death, especially since it wasn't an immediate parent, I would get maybe two to three days off and have to go right back into work. And that is something that is very difficult to do because the pain stays in the body as well. And so that then mutated into me feeling sick all the time, having anxiety, depression, using different vices so that I didn't have to think about it, always keeping myself busy so that I didn't actually have to sit in the grief. And there were times where I thought, okay, I'm processing this because I'm crying, but I really wasn't processing what happened and I wasn't allowing myself to heal in that moment. What say more about that piece that feels really important, like the difference between crying and allowing yourself to heal. Like how did you start to differentiate those two? So crying would be when I would get triggered or a memory would come up, I would let myself cry and then immediately try to change my emotions to be happy again. Instead of actually feeling that pain and letting myself feel the heartache and feel the loss of a loved one because I never actually felt that. And then I would just kind of put it on the back burner 
Like, I'll deal with that later. I'll go into that later. And now I've been able to incorporate different somatic exercises where I can do breath work or I can let myself grieve for an extended amount of time and know that that is exactly what I need to do. And I don't need to change my feelings. I don't need to push it down anymore. I can take myself there and then get myself back on track. That's really beautiful. There's like this message that like you're crying and then move on. Yeah. Right. And and what you're saying is that isn't the, that that can't be the path to healing. Um, and I think that people often wonder why would I right why not push it down so that I can you know turn on my happy and show up in life. And so I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about what you learned like when you give yourself the space to grieve when you grieve when grief hits because I imagine it still hits. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, cause I think, and that's another thing is that if you could talk about that, we don't get over, we don't get over it. We don't get over those losses. And so if you could just expand on like the why, why spend the time feeling your way through as opposed to what you were doing before you learned to do that. That is a really good question. And the why for me was so that I could get deeper in my own healing and to also connect with the people that are no longer here because then I was able to integrate them into my daily life. So I have my ancestor altar. I celebrate their birthdays and I celebrate the days that their spirit left their body. And now I'm able to communicate with my ancestors in a different way and ask them for help or get clues that I am on the right path. And it's this like aha moment of, wow, they are always still here with me and they're always walking around with me. And so that was really my why, because I was like, there's no way that they can just be gone. It can't just be one day they're here and the next day we just have to forget about them. So you said that your work is helping people deal with death and you're like helping me in this moment, just listening to you truly. I'm like, I'm, I'm just having this thought. I lost a, my grandfather in 2019 and he was a really central figure in my family and my life. And I remember that next Thanksgiving, nobody in my family said anything. It was like he just ceased to exist. This like first family holiday without this like pillar of our family and no one mentioned him. And, and so I'm just, I'm feeling emotional, not because I'm angry, but I'm like, that is so incredibly beautiful. The work that you've come to. And, and so I'm just curious how, like what led you there, you know, and I'm thinking that's tied into your story you already told us is that you knew you were different. (laughs) Right. And, and I'm like, well, that's very clear. Because, yeah, how did you how did you get to this place where you decided to drop the vices and the the stuffing your emotions in order to pursue this? Well, first, I want to say thank you for sharing that about your grandfather. And it is hard when 
you go to different family events and then they don't want to talk about it because no one ever wants to talk about death. It's something that happens to all of us and everyone contracts when we talk about it. So for me, I kept listening and going inward and hearing different things that my ancestors were saying or the people who've passed in my life. And when I actually started listening and implementing what they were saying, I started seeing major changes in my life. So it took a long time to actually get to this place because no one wants to talk about it. And this has been the first time that I've almost... I don't want to say been alone, but pretty much everyone who has raised me except for a few people are now gone. And so there's a point where I have to look at, okay, they're not here physically anymore, but that doesn't mean that they should be forgotten. So how can I remember them and how can I honor them? So I will... I mean, they have flowers all the time. They have water. I make things for my ancestors. I give them goodies. I talk to them at the altar. And so that is something that I want to bring to everybody because everybody has to go through something like this. And I just don't see how we can keep pushing it down and pushing it down and act like these people who are so influential in our lives are just gone and then we can't talk about them anymore or we can't remember them or we can only remember them a few days a year because they also don't want to be forgotten. You know, that's some of the messages that I get. And the more that I talk to them, the more abundance that I get in my life because I'm actually listening. Wow. That is so profound. It's making me think of questions in both directions. So just to kind of mark it, one I'm just thinking about how profound that idea is to really be intentional about just even spaces in your house that honor your ancestors and um, being in relationship with those spaces on a consistent basis and how nourishing and eye-opening that could be. So that's one thing I'm just thinking about. But then the other thing I'm thinking about is that moment you talked about of after your grandfather passed and being in his house with all of his belongings. And it sounds like that was kind of a defining moment for you. Like that was almost like a, I don't know if you would call it a rock bottom because it doesn't necessarily sound like a rock bottom, but it sounds like it was a moment where your eyes were opened to um, like the meaning of life maybe in a different way or um yeah, I don't know how you, what words you would use to describe it, but just since Becca had asked what led you to this place of wisdom and insight um, and spiritual practice. And I'm wondering if you can expand a little bit more on that, that moment that you had in his house and how that kind of fed into your story. Yeah. So that moment was, I mean, first of all, it was a long moment. I mean, I stood there for 20 minutes. Yeah, tell us more. Yeah, so that day, I knew that I was meant to be there because my husband would check on my grandfather every morning. And that day, he just couldn't make it, so he asked me to do it. And so 
knowing that this was the second time that it happened and seeing him there and remembering all of the things that he used to worry about and all of the material things that he wanted and tried to go after and how he cared about what everybody else thought, I looked at him and realized that I have to change my life so that I'm actually living in my purpose. Because at that moment, my degree, my schooling, everything was to please my family. And that was when I realized that I have to live for me. So this spiritual journey has been with me almost my entire life, but then it definitely accelerated with my grandfather. And then the ultimate acceleration was two years ago, my husband and I were going to have a baby and we ended up not being able to have the baby. And that also opened up my eyes of, okay, what else do I need to learn how else can I help my community, help myself before I bring a child into this world? So every single death, I went back and looked at, okay, how is this actually for me? And that's kind of hard to say when you miss your loved ones so much. But then it kind of takes it out of that victim mode of how is this happening to me? Instead, it's more, what can I learn from this? Yeah. I was just going to, I was just going to ask, I feel like that, so this like theme of death is in your life. And I think that we all kind of have these themes that continue to revisit us. And I think death is also a theme that will also visit other people. But clearly, I think your story is different, right, than, than other stories I've heard. And I'm wondering about that part because like an inner toddler in me wants to like scream and say, this is not fair. Why? Why? And, and so I'm curious, like, how do you give that part, if that part exists in you, any space so that you can arrive at this place of going, this path is for me? Because um, that feels like rooted and grounded in wisdom. And I'm just curious about if there's any space for or if that resonates. Oh, definitely. Because it was so many years of why is this happening? I can't believe this. And then when I started really getting to know myself and getting to know myself on an intimate level, I realized that I believe that my soul signed up for this and that the people in my life were all just there to help each other with lessons to grow. And so I still give myself that space of grief and acceptance and I get to be mad and frustrated and miss my loved ones. And I also get to learn that this was in the charts for me. So for instance, I started to look at astrology and it's in my chart. My chart shows death at an early age. Like there's not for me particularly, but it shows that there's a lot of death in my life at the beginning stages. So that helped me wrap my mind around, okay, this was going to happen. Yeah. So that, and it, that feels like there's like a trust, which is something we've talked about a few episodes ago about that. So instead of like facing life with that tantrum and that fear, you're kind of going, you know, I'm, I'm going to choose trust, but I'm trusting that this is my path. Were there ever times where you didn't trust it? Oh, 100%. Can you talk a little bit about like how you've 
and it, and this may be just kind of a way of re-asking what Becca just asked. So if it is, um, feel free to just be like, that's the same question, <laughs> but, um, yeah, what, what were the moments of distrust and how did you get to this place of, of trust? And are, are there moments of distrust that still pop up? So there were definitely moments of distrust and anxiety because going through all of that, you then get nervous for the people that you're around because sometimes you think, okay, is it me? Is is this going to happen to my husband or to all my other loved ones? And so that was really when the anxiety started to come because I was thinking, okay, what if this happens to somebody else? How am I going to be able to handle it? And personally, I'm not afraid of death of myself. I am afraid of my loved ones dying. And so that still comes up all the time. And one of my biggest fears is that happening with my husband. And it's like, I know, you know, we all have to, to die at some point. There's just times where sometimes, you know, he leaves and I get nervous and I'm like, okay, I hope that this doesn't happen again. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's a very trusting process now, especially as I've developed my relationship with spirit and my ancestors and myself, but it does, it takes a long time to get there and everyone's on a different path Mm -hmm. for, for how long it can take to trust because that, that person was there. They were there two seconds ago. And then at the blink of an eye, they're just their physical existence is gone. So thank you for sharing that. And so how did you cultivate your own practices around connecting to spirit? And what did that look like? I know you you had a connection to spirit as a child, and it sounds like you got all kinds of kind of toxic messaging around that natural gift that you had. And then how did you reconnect with it as an adult and develop your own practices that help you to stay connected on that level every day? So I really started learning from my elders. So I grew up with elders and talking and being around older people really open up your eyes as well. And when my grandma was going through chemo and she had, you know, she was on morphine and everything, she started opening up to the spirit world. And when I would tell her, you know, I'm scared or I'm going to miss you, she would have these very intelligent conversations with me about the afterlife. And it would make me feel really comfortable. What would she say? So she would be in and out, but she would talk about, you know, it's going to be okay. I'm going to be here with you. There's nothing but bliss and healing on the other side. So talking with her about that really helped. And then Having elders and having people in my life that I could discuss this with also helped me a lot. And now I really appreciate my mentors and the community because so many people have these same experiences. So they have really opened up their arms and their hearts to me and have shown me different spiritual practices that I can do. Again, I'll come back to breath work because breath work has been one of the things that has really helped me with this because during breath work, I go somewhere else. Like my consciousness is opened up and 
I can feel things releasing from my body that I've held on to for so long. And I am a completely different person than I was, I mean, even yesterday, but I'm a completely different person than I was a few years ago. So I can see the benefit of the spiritual practices in my life. Can you just, for people who have never heard of breathwork, can you just explain a little bit about what you mean or what breathwork is? Yeah. So it is an active meditation that really helps you drop out of the mind and into the body. So it raises the oxygen levels in your body so that you can release and let go and actually feel and not think about feeling, but actually feel. It's very safe. You know, it's done in a in a safe environment, but it is something that helps you go deeper. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, that. Welcome. I mean, I, I actually didn't know what breathwork was. So, <laughs> so I was yeah. asking that for myself, not just for the <laughs> listeners. Yeah. And there's a few different types of breathwork. So the one that I do, it's a three-part breath. And so it's very active. It's not, you're not just meditating. You have to keep up with this breath for about 30 minutes. And then you can feel your body just release things that are not serving you any longer. Okay. Sign me up. So I'm curious, just thinking about this arc of you, like, like Becca was saying, you being this little girl and having this, this spiritual connection and then, and then going through all of these losses kind of one after the other and not really being able to make sense of them. And then kind of having this, this aha moment where you're in your grandfather's house and kind of things just start to shift for you in terms of, um, your own recognition of your own purpose and, um, and what you had been living for and where that was coming from and where you, what you realized you were really here for your true purpose. And I'm just wondering what does that look like today in terms of the work you're doing with people right now, the work you're still um, engaging with on yourself? What, what, what did that kind of, I don't know if you would say like professional shift, cause that feels like, I don't know, too clinical of a word for what we're talking about, but, um, I know your story and I know there was a big change after that moment, your whole life really did change. So if you can tell us a little bit about that part of the story. Yes. I love this part. So Seeing death at such a young age, but in older people, really opened up my eyes to how short life is. And most of the people that I was around who, you know, were experiencing death had so many regrets about life and so many revelations of things that they wish that they would have done. And so the moment with my grandfather really put me into gear of what I wanted to do and not what he told me that I should do or society or teachers or coworkers told me to do, but what I really wanted to do. And so that kind of segued into where I'm at now, where I left my corporate job and I am now helping people find out what they want to do and how they want to live and their why and why they want to do stuff and not just because someone told them that they had to. 
I was just going to say that that there's something just so profound in that experiencing death is making you live like more fully, right? That's the choice. So an anxiety could have taken you into, could have really taken over into like a fear of dying or a fear of everyone dying. And you're like pushing through this other path of, of life while you, while you're here on this earth. And I just, I just think that's really beautiful. And I, I hope people can hear that. Yes. Thank you. Totally. And I'm also wanting, I keep being like, go into more detail because I know your story and it's so rich, but I'm thinking about just the whole process of like, how did you decide to leave your corporate job and what did that whole process look like? Get Cause there's more details to it that are really good. Yes. So I thought quitting my job. So I had thought about it for like three years. And the actual stepping out and quitting my job happened when I was getting into that anxiety and depression phase again. And so I got this journal and it had you list out all the things that made you happy and all the things that made you unhappy. And I had this long list of everything that made me happy. And the only thing that made me unhappy was my job. And so right then, it was just like this whoo of oh my gosh, I am in control of my happiness right now. And so that morning I quit. As soon as I wrote that down, I called my my boss and I told her, I said, thank you. I will be here for another five weeks to help both of us out. And then I have to go. So it was definitely not planned. I actually thought I was going to quit in 2021. But it was really nice to just let things happen the way that it did because now I am able to enjoy life and even experience the life and death that earth goes through. You know, being able to smell the flowers, watch the growth, look at what the birds and the animals are doing, that is what I want to do. And everything else will come after that. It doesn't have to be all about money. And I came from this place of everything has to be about money and your status and, you know, how much you make. And so now even watching what's going on, you know, with the Mother Earth and being actively involved in it has just been a beautiful experience. That reminds me of that Mary Oliver poem that says, and tell me what will you do with your um, one beautiful life or something? I'm misquoting it for sure. But, but the thing about that is people always think, oh, she's telling you to like be an achiever. But if you know about Mary Oliver, you know that what she did with her beautiful life was walk through the fields and smell the flowers. Yes. Right. So that just, that just reminded me of that. And then the other thing I was think, just thinking of is there's a really powerful theme of you listening to yourself. Um, and that's like kind of taken off path as a child because of the adults around you. But like you described, you just like listened and it was kind of scary to see these spirits or to be communicating. But right, you listened to yourself and then that gets taken off course by people trying to speak into your life and saying, here's what you should do but then how you arrived back in this wisdom that kind of has existed in you all along and has been built up by your experiences is once again by listening to yourself. So that's just really powerful, a powerful reminder that 
of what I believe as a therapist is that the answers already exist in us Mm -hmm. and always have, and we need help getting unblocked. And you did the work to get unblocked. So it's inspiring, Jess. Thank you. It's a long road and journey of going through that. But I appreciate that reflection because it's hard to say to that having so much death early on, you don't have, I didn't have my parents there telling me what I should do anymore. And then when COVID happened, everyone had to go inward. And so I couldn't just fill my schedule up with all the things that I thought that I should be doing. I really had to sit with myself and say, okay, do I like this or not? Why do I like this? Why don't I like this? Is it okay just to be me right now and to not be working, working, working? I can just experience life. And I deep down believe that that is the purpose for us being on this beautiful floating rock. I don't believe that we are all put here to just always work. We are here to constantly like grow and live and just enjoy one another and express love and not be anxious and depressed all the time and appreciating that anxiety and depression because it gives you that it gives you that knowledge of what might be off right now so that you can go into your own internal toolbox and use your own gifts to get you out of that. Mm, so beautiful. Wow. Um, your story is so amazing, Jess. It's really a gift to listen to. It's it's so funny as you're talking, I'm thinking about a couple other things that you're just making me think about. One is just how our our country, our society, and probably our world to some degree like really promotes busyness like this idea of just like being so busy and having so many things to do. And it's like, I think a lot of people can put that into the category in their brains of like, oh, I'm living life to the fullest. But so often when we're just so busy, we're so disconnected from ourselves and we're so, we're not alive. We're, we're actually asleep at the wheel. Um, and then it's also making me think about my, um, therapist who's a Jungian therapist. I remember one time I was having a lot of anxiety about death and she said from a Jungian perspective, um, the thought is that when you're feeling really scared of death, it's because you're not really living. Mm -hmm. And so, um, just thinking about how it's so kind of bringing us full circle to what you said you wanted to talk about today, how your life is really an ode, to that, like you, you literally have had to face death one after the other, after the other, these profound losses. And yet your lesson, your message to share with the world, one of many, because you have so many messages and so many gifts to share is, is how to really be connected to yourself and be alive to be fully present. So I just think that's so powerful. Um, and I was thinking of one other – oh, the the question I had for you is – and I had mentioned this at the beginning of our episode that when you came over this morning, you were saying that you go through this process of – I think you said death and rebirth every day. And I, I would love it if you could just speak to that a little bit about what that looks like for you and if for any of our listeners who would like to try something like that, 
Um, if you could just let us into your process of that piece a little bit. Absolutely. So the death and rebirth process every day is immediately waking up in the morning and just taking in air and being grateful, grateful to be alive and just being in that moment and not thinking about what you have to do tomorrow or the next day and asking yourself, okay, how can I love today? What, whose day can I make today? What am I going to do to change the world today and today only? And then at night, going through a process of, okay, what did I love about today? What could I work on myself for, you know, tomorrow? And just having these ceremonies and rituals where, you know, I'm cleansing my energy and I'm thanking my ancestors and really looking at my shadow and figuring out, okay, what part of me needs a mini death so that I can, you know, be reborn tomorrow and be the best person that I can be tomorrow. So it's definitely something that it's taken time to get used to, but that really helps with the anxiety instead of like, okay, what am I going to do tomorrow, a week from now, a month from now? It's like, no, I'm going to go through this process every day and live in the moment as if today was my last day on earth. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. So I, and this may be taking us in a different direction and and we can um, feel free to say that if, if it is, but, and I know we're wrapping up, but I, I did just think of something that I wondered um, if any of our listeners have the same question that I'm having, which is what do you, so let's say I'm thinking for myself, like, oh, wow, I, I kind of want to set up an altar and I kind of want to create an offering to some of my ancestors. And I want to see what I get, like, what is that experience like? And then I remembered um, my grandfather, I have a lot of like icky feelings towards, not because of anything that happened to me directly, but just what I've learned about him, some things I've learned about him um, just don't make me feel great. And I don't know that I want to tap into his wisdom. Um, Well, maybe it wouldn't be his wisdom, but it scares me to tap into him just because of my association with him. So I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about that or if you've had that experience with any of your ancestors and what does it look like connecting to kind of like maybe the multifaceted reality of what it is to be human and and knowing that we don't always have all, all positive relationships with our ancestors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I definitely have some ancestors like that too, where I can still acknowledge them and not use some of their energy. So for me, that looks like calling in all of my healed and well ancestors and asking for protection, protection, you know, that my higher self can give, that um, the divine can give me as well. And then letting my intuition take the lead. So some of the ancestors that I wanted to connect with, I started with their favorite, you know, food, if I knew that, pictures, giving them water, putting in different elements in the altar that reminded me of them. So my grandfather liked rocks. So I put crystals on his altar. My grandmother liked sweets. So I give her sweets. And then I will light a candle 
and ask them for whatever it is that I need to hear and also ask what I can do for them because I also don't want to just take. So there have been times where I've tapped into energies that I don't necessarily like um, or that are good for me. So I just acknowledge them and say thank you and write them a letter, either like a letter of forgiveness or acknowledging that they did the best that they could with what they had in the moment. Everyone's always just trying to do the best that they can for the most part. So that's what I would tell the listeners is to just really connect with their ancestors and let your intuition flow because you can't do it wrong. And it's really surprising what comes up when you sit down and listen. Beautiful. Thank you for answering that question. I just felt so inspired by what you said. I was ready to go into action and then was like, oh, but what if this happens? So thank you for sharing that. Of course. Um, um, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you're fine. No, please. I was going to say, you know, maybe that letter would help to your grandfather if you're having some resistance with communicating with him and, um, you know, maybe even cutting the cord of energy if it doesn't feel good for you. But forgiveness is going to be the top thing. Beautiful. Thank you. So, well, that kind of leads me into what I think Becca was going to ask, which is, um, well, let me let you ask it. You've given us so much, Jess, already. And I'm just wondering if you could um, leave our listeners with an encouragement. Yes. I love this question. I love when you ask um, people on your show this question. So, The one thing that I would leave the listeners with is encouragement to find out what you like and why you like it. So surround yourself with community and mentors and therapists, even if you feel great, because learning more about yourself is going to be the number one tool for healing. And connecting. So, and that could also be other things such as, you know, learning what you like and then doing a masterclass or learning astrology or the Enneagram that you guys do or um, human design. All of those really help you tap into what you like and how you can feel in alignment. And then once you feel in alignment, you can heal yourself and everybody else. You can heal your ancestors. You can heal the people that come after you. So that's what I would say is to know yourself on that intimate level and surround yourself with community so that you can actually step into what you like and step into life because life is so beautiful. And as far as we know, we only have one in this physical body. That is probably my favorite answer I've ever heard. Um, And I'm wondering, Jess, if people want to work with you or they want to know more about you, where can they find you? Yeah. So I'm actually working on a program right now to help people who want to quit their nine to five jobs or their service-based jobs. So that program will be coming out soon. For right now, they can find me at Jessica Marion Jones, and that is Marion, M-A-R-I-A-N on Instagram. And soon I will have my website up and all my services up. I also offer breathwork sessions, 
Reiki and energy healing sessions. So they can message me there or they can email me at jessicamarionjones at gmail.com. Thank you so much, Jess. We are so, so lucky to have had you as a guest today and so excited for our listeners to continue to be able to connect with you and um, so grateful they got to listen to such a powerful story with us today. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It was so great. And as Adrian said last time, people are listening to this podcast. So thank you for gifting this to your community. It is so beautiful. Oh, thank you for being a part of it. We love you, Jess. I love you. Signing off. It's Sarah and Becca again. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can tune in on your favorite podcast player every other Monday to hear us talk with special guests about self-acceptance, self-love, and self-growth. See you in a few weeks.